0: Hi and welcome to this episode of Seen and Heard. My name is Allison Tristo and I'm the Community Field Rep for Western United Dairies. Uh, On today's episode we are going to be talking to Anya Radabaugh, the CEO of Western United Dairies, so she can kind of give us a recap as well as kind of explain the purpose of the Milk Producer Security Trust Fund Board Meeting, as well as give us an update on LandFlex. So let's jump into that.
1: Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water visit commongoodwater.com. We
0: have Anya Rodabaugh on the CEO of Western United Dairies. Uh, she's here to give us a little update about LandFlex. Thanks, Allison.
2: Yeah, and, and whoa, um, we really got some feedback after last week's update. I uh, really appreciate everybody listening. Really appreciate everybody sharing the podcast. Um, I guess all you need to do to spread a podcast like Wildfire is talk about farmers getting paid for following. So certainly a lot of interest a um, couple updates, uh, DWR is still really excited about the program. We are in a bit of a holding pattern. It was supposed to come out uh, today, Friday the 4th. Um, there was some determination that it was a little bit too close to an election. Um, it was a little bit, um, needed some, a couple fine tunes on the contract side of things. But we do have uh, the portal up. Hopefully as you are listening now, there is some frequently asked questions in a portal now. If you would like to receive automatic updates about Landflex, there will be a um, kind of a a menu that you can put your email into that. So that will hopefully um, help guide people and help drive some of the interest that we've gotten in this program. Uh, If you wanna get much faster updates than either the podcast or calling me on the phone, which everyone's welcome to keep doing, but um, yeah, we're we're kind of excited. We've repositioned the program since last week slightly to be a little bit more forward facing on the sustainable yield end of it. Um, and I think that that caused DWR to kind of make a few more tweaks to the contract side of things. But in general, um, we're still really uh, got the foot on the gas with with regards to getting this program out and i think you know some additional changes you know a lot of people have asked me about cover crops Um, the frequently asked questions page will give you a little bit more information if you are thinking you really want to you know you're really interested in this program i would certainly get to know the dwr sigma data viewer it is a portal that moves very slow but essentially you can put your property address into the sigma viewer and over that with, overlay that with GIS layers and kind of see where you are approximately located to domestic well or wells, and you can kind of get a feel for um, generally the order of priority that your uh, preferred piece of property would fit into this program. So uh, the frequently asked questions page will have a little bit more instructions about that. It will also have some good instructions about who right off the bat will qualify. Um, so to be very clear, people that are in GSAs that already have adopted and implemented a groundwater allocation methodology are going to receive the first tranche of this money. Um, and there's some really good policy reasons behind that. But yeah, check, check out the um, WED Foundation, West United Dairies Foundation page. That is where we're going to house the LandFlex p- program. And if you have additional questions after that, you're always welcome to give me a call or reach out to your field rep, Allison. But um, thanks everyone for listening. Keep listening and keep engaging on the LandFlex portal because um, it, it could be any day. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, delayed on when we thought we would start this.
0: All righty. Thank you, Anya.
1: folks it was a roller coaster of sorts in both our dairy and grain markets this week started off with news of Russia announcing plans to leave a trade deal allowing UK- Ukrainian grain exports uh, that shot grain markets higher early on. Uh, however, the week uh, concluded with Russia back in the agreement and we saw prices ease some. Likewise in dairy we started out on Tuesday with a global dairy trade event. With almost everything moving lower, in particular powders getting hit, that put a somber feeling in our markets, and uh, both dairy was lower and grains were higher. However, by the end of the week, things turned around some. We saw grains ease, as I noted, and dairy um, came back a bit both Thursday and Friday. We ended the week uh, with block cheese at 201, barrel cheese at 197.50, Butter did have have a rough go. We ended up the week losing thirty, almost thirty seven cents on butter, down to two seventy seven twenty five. I will say though, we gained ten cents back on Friday, so it wasn't as bad as it felt like it might be. Um, but it does seem like maybe three dollar butter is behind us um, now that we're so far into the holiday demand season. Non fat dry milk uh, ended the week at one forty. Futures markets were kind of all over the place, again, um, getting hit to the downside. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, staging somewhat of a recovery by the end of the week. We did get trade data for the month of September. Exports of of butter and cheese were strong again, uh, but we did see milk powder sales weaken, which sort of um, jives with the lower um, markets there. Next week is relatively quiet in terms of dairy reports. Uh, Please reach out if you have any questions.
2: Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com agsafety safety. Remember signs keep you safe.
0: Anya Rodaball, the CEO of Western United Dairies, on to kind of give us an update on a meeting that uh, she attended Monday. Um, it was the Milk Producer Security Trust Fund board meeting. That is a mouthful. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Anya?
2: I'm great. I'm great. It's definitely one of the least spicy things we do um, in the dairy, the dairy trade side, but happy to report on it.
0: Awesome. I know that there was a few things that were talked about, like the fund status and some of the audits that were going on. Uh, Do you want to speak on some of those things?
2: My pleasure. I do think that for um, our audience's purposes, it might be helpful to remind people what the Milk Producers Security Trust Fund is and what Mm -hmm. it does and that it is a bygone of the milk pooling days that has been carried forward in this world of federal milk marketing orders So just to remind um, everyone listening, the Milk Producers Security Trust Fund, I'm trying to think of a short way to say that, uh, essentially was established to protect farmers and their co-ops from creameries essentially defaulting on payments. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, um, again, back in the pre-pooling days and then once we went into pooling in the 60s, Um, The producers really wanted protection from either a bankruptcy or a payment default or there's a number of different reasons why um, sometimes accounting for the milk that is processed gets a little goofy. Um, That's a lot less likely these days than it was 50 years ago. But generally the trust fund is a collaborative assessment um, from producers and if if a producer ships to a co-op The co-op collects this deduction on their behalf Um, and it's it's essentially put into a fund that um, is called upon if and when there is a default and the handler in this case so i'm going to shift my language slightly and start referring to processors as handlers Mm -hmm. Um, in some situations the handlers may have a contract with a co-op to process the product either into cheese or something powder most likely, Um, and sometimes the handler doesn't make good on the promise of payment. It doesn't happen very often. And so this was the first milk security trust fund meeting since 2019. And so that kind of gives you an idea of how often this this doesn't happen. But in this case, um, in addition to some housekeeping items, the trust fund met to really discuss uh, what essentially was a default. Um, And so again, just to remind people that are listening, uh, milk is one of the most highly regulated commodities all the way to the the moment that it's consumed. But in this case, after the handler defaulted um, to a co-op in this case, uh, there was a number of steps that CDFA had to take to kind of call in the note. Um, The first is essentially every handler in California has a bond that they put up to do business and to process milk. It's just kind of like an insurance policy, I guess. And basically those bonds are called in first. They usually do not cover anything near the default. Um, and then there is an insurance claim made by CDFA and, or the processor in this case, uh, the co-op, i um, asking for some deductible coverage on that handler's policy. And in this situation, between the bond and the deductible, there was still a balance of funds owed. And that was when the security trust fund gets called into, is after all options have been exhausted to pay either the producers or, in this case, the co-op, the trust fund is activated. And so the trust fund has a six-member board. There are two farmer members, two nonprofit co-op, members, and two private processor members. And they have seen an extraordinary amount of retirements. Um, people have moved on. A lot of dairies that had previously kind of helped out with this fund have consolidated or closed, which is as unfortunate. And so the Milk Security Trust Fund is, is already looking for some new members. Um, the longtime chairman, Dominic Carinelli, um, has definitely given his the the industry its his due um, he has definitely served a lifetime on the security trust fund his term has come to a close now and he was basically doing all of us a big favor thank you Dominic thank you Linda for making yourselves available to this meeting because his term actually expired last year and so um, but having no other choices um, to call a quorum the CDFA put the meeting together so that was generally kind of the nature of it. There was a lot of, I think, reminding folks on the call, um, you know, generally the status of the fund, but similarly to what I reported on quota last week, this is another fund that CDFA has been collecting on with a very substantial balance. Um, It's nothing quite as as high as quota, but um, they are reporting a balance in the account of almost $55 million. And um, it was widely determined that that was probably in excess of what's needed. Um, and so, the next year, CDFA will be conducting an audit of the fund. Um, they will be looking and reviewing at the assessment. The assessment is very, very small. Um, this is why most people aren't uh, generally aware of the security trust fund. Um, let me just scrolling through. I believe it's um, one one hundredth of a penny per hundredweight. So this is why oftentimes it's not um, overly obvious in either producer's paycheck or certainly on the co-op side, I'm sure they don't individually list this out on the farmer's check. So um, yeah, I think that there are um, some really good conversations. And one of the things that I've told my staff about this trust fund is it is particularly important for our farmers that are in the private processing sector, um, there have been a lot of changes, especially up on the North Coast, that if I was a farmer, um, I would like to have this insurance policy, frankly. The catch is, and this is a really big catch, um, if you are a farmer that ships to a private processor, you must have record of your annual contract on file with CDFA in order to collect money from the Milk Security Producers Trust Fund. If you do not file your contract with CDFA on an annual basis, even if your contract doesn't change with the processor or the handler, you should still be filing your annual contract like the first of the year every year with CDFA for this purpose. Because if CDFA, the rules are very clear, if they don't have an annual look at your contract with the processor, they cannot basically go to the security trust fund and say that this was a valid contract that needs to be paid. And so that's something again. We really encourage farmer engagement, um, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. The Security Trust Fund is going to begin the process of soliciting for more board members. Um, again, we thank Dominic for her service. But if you are out there listening to this podcast and you want to put your hand up for um, literally counting uh, <laughs> counting pennies, I, I think that it it really can save the life of a farmer family um, uh, more often than than I think it's being used. And it might just be because people don't remember that it's there. But one of the ways that the producer trust fund is also funded is from deductions from the processors. So the processors pay into the fund at, at quite a bit of a higher rate than the farmer. Um, and it's there and it was decided that going into the federal order, we would keep this fund available because you just never know. and in this instance, um, a co-op needed to capture almost a quarter of a million dollars. So, um, that's not what was actually paid out of the trust fund, but that was what was defaulted on. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's a tough board to, to get really excited about, um, even tougher than PRB and all our other boards, but, um, I do think that people that have served on this board feel very strongly that it's a worthwhile effort. And the more that we have volatility, especially in the private sector, um, the more I think it's going to be important that farmers sit up and pay attention to the fact that this fund is there. It's there for their protection. You just have to file your contract. Um, and that's all confidential. Please reach out to Allison or I, if you want help filing that contract, but, um, i think it's a really good thing it's just one more thing that farmers um, could use to help themselves out
0: definitely i feel like it's not a heavily talked about topic that is (laughs) important (laughs)
2: um i'm I'm gonna hazard a guess that 90 percent of our farmers today don't even know this exists and if they did know it existed it's been probably half a decade since they thought about it um Yeah. So I think that, oh, I I did review the assessment. It's actually 0.0033 per hundred weight. So it's a third of a penny. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not quite a hundredth of a penny, but it's a third of a penny. But this is why I think most people are not really aware that it exists. So, um, yeah. And you do have, um, beginning in January 2022, Manufacturing grade, which means not just grade A, it's also grade B milk, was eligible and will continue to be eligible for the Milk Security Trust Fund's coverage, um, which is a little, it's quite a bit different than market milk, um, but it's actually substantially different. So again, we don't have a ton of grade B producers left in California, but I think a lot of the grade B producers may ship to private processors, um, at least that's the co-ops say. So I think that that's something that you really want to get engaged in and make sure you're protected.
0: Definitely. Do you have any other points from this meeting that you would like to tell the producers about?
2: Well, I think that um, the the gentlemen that are serving on this board, um, we have a representative from DFA and a representative from CDI, um, really take their tasks seriously, um, and they are definitely in the bowels of uh, the the milk pricing sector. Um, they have a lot of information and they've been able to carry that information over decades, which is becoming um, a tighter and tighter commodity. You know, having an understanding of how California milk was priced <laughs> even five years ago compared to how it's done now, but then really pulling back into their memories about how this fund has kind of been tweaked over time. Um, I always learn something when I listen to these meetings. So, thank you again for all the gentlemen that are serving on this. Um, it's definitely accounting an accountant's dream. So, if you have an accountant in your dairy family, um, send them our way. We'll get them hooked up with CDFA. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's like thirty or forty five minutes of counting pennies and then basically comes the big news about the default. Uh, one thing that I didn't mention earlier that I think is really important, especially for our farmers that are shipping in the private you know, handler space, so outside of the co-op realm, when a handler defaults the way this occurred, they are placed on what's called an ineligible list And the ineligible list, um, which has kind of been a little stale because we haven't had a ton of defaults, but we would previously get a quarterly ineligible list. And if I was a farmer in the market for a new processor, I would definitely take a glance at that ineligible list. Um, It's something that, again, at minimum, I would do to protect myself or to minimize any surprises that might come my family's way. So um, really important to understand that this default has placed this handler on the ineligible list. I'm not super comfortable talking about who and what. It actually is public knowledge, but if anybody wants to know who is on the the handler ineligibility list, please let us know. We're happy to get that information to you.
0: Well, thank you for coming on, Anya, and giving us this update uh, about the meeting. Uh, It was good information. I definitely think it would be a good idea for people to take the time to dive in to look into this and learn a little more about it.
2: Definitely. You're welcome. Have a great weekend.
1: Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you.
2: bennett environmental turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets learn more at bennett-environmental.com we hope you like this episode of
0: seen and heard and thanks again anya for taking the time to come on the podcast if you gain value from this podcast please be sure to tell your colleagues we are always trying to reach more of our industry partners and follow more of western united dairies content on all social media platforms at the username at wudairies have a good weekend Thank you to the Western United Dairies generous business sponsors, The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our guests, Please note that the opinions expressed in the Seen and Heard podcast may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors or our sponsors. If you would like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at com.